Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for spending some time with us here at midweek. Hope you're having a good day. We'll be talking a lot about trade today. Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade, will join us. And Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, will join us as well. Talk about uh, the talks with China that have wrapped up and mixed reports there. But uh, the overall feeling seems to be positive. We'll get into that. And also, we're going to get some reaction from an attorney about the U.S. Supreme Court declining to consider challenges to a pair of state laws, California and Massachusetts, which restrict the use of confinement in animal agriculture. We'll get reaction from OFW law attorney Gary Bays on that a little bit later on in the program. But first, let's start it off with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us. The government shutdown continues, and both sides seem to be digging in. We have a battle of uh, speeches uh, last night, and uh, where do you see this headed? You know, <clears throat> you know I, I, I have to say I don't know. Most of the reaction this morning to the two speeches last night uh, or three, if you make Schumer and Pelosi one, uh, two speeches, uh, was that neither group was very effective. Uh, that President Trump looked artificial, uh, speaking from the Oval Office as opposed to his usual way of speaking, and that Schumer and uh, Pelosi, the Democrats, uh, looked kind of crunched together as they gave their talk. So I'd say the consensus in Washington this morning is that things haven't changed. Now, it could change more today because uh, Trump is going, the president is going up to speak to the Republicans in the Senate, uh, and there's supposed to be more, uh, more meetings. So <clears throat> we may have, you know, we may have some more action. Uh, the most important thing that has probably been said is that Trump is now talking about a physical barrier uh, at, uh, between the United States and Mexico rather than a wall. So that is a slight, uh, a slight move. Um, so on that point, we, we, you know, we're still in a waiting game here. You know, what happens in, in these situations, the longer it goes, the focus becomes more about the impact of the shutdown, who's being affected and how, rather than the issue that started it to begin with, in this case, the, uh, the, the wall, that the border issue. The focus starts shifting to the other uh, impacts of this shutdown, and each day we feel them more and more. Yes. Now, now, this Friday, I believe, is the first time that government employees will actually miss a paycheck. And the Washington Post has emphasized that not all these employees are uh, are in Washington. That of course they are uh, scattered all over the country, and they uh, the the post ran a, a list of the number of people in from each department in or the major departments all over the country. And the surprises, of course, are the number of government employees in Alaska, the number in Montana. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the Forest Service is located there. So you're going to see the impact more around the country. And another thing is that federal contractors uh, are losing work. Uh, and so that has a broader uh, emphasis on the, on the economy. And in rural America, the areas where the national parks are located, 
uh, uh, you know, tourists don't come there. So, so you feel it. Uh, you feel it more and more. Uh, yesterday, there were two big announcements. One is that they figured out how to pay food stamps or SNAP benefits in the month of February, and the other, of course, um, that they will extend the deadline for, to apply for the trade aid uh, payments. And basically, that extension, which was expected, they're going to extend it however many days that the government is shut down or however many days FSA offices have been closed down, that's how many days the deadline will be extended, right? Uh, that's right. And that will end up being one week less than the full government shutdown because FSA managed to keep the offices open for one week after most of the government was shut down. We're talking with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, of course, a lot of uh, attention being paid to those uh, talks that have wrapped up now in Beijing between the U.S. and China. I've seen uh, differing reports, some saying not much was accomplished. Others say that, uh, you know, there was were some things accomplished, and uh, the fact that they went longer than uh, had been expected is considered to be good. And it looks like they're pointing to uh, more talks uh, coming back here to the U.S. So overall, it seems to be positive without any real specifics at this point. Yes, I was impressed that both Ted McKinney, the Undersecretary for, for Trade and Foreign, Global, uh, foreign um, uh, Affairs, and Greg Dowd, the USTR ambassador for trade negotiations, were both in Beijing. So that does mean, obviously, that agriculture was brought up. They did, the Chinese did make these concessions on a few types of biotechnology. Uh, so I can't say any of it's negative, but people have learned to be cautious about the Chinese because sometimes they find ways to get out of things uh, using other other methods after they've agreed to uh, to do something. Yeah, you don't do, don't want to get overly optimistic, but uh, at least uh, nothing to make us more pessimistic at this point, I guess. So we're just still in that wait-and-see mode. Meanwhile, when it comes to trade with the European Union, the new uh, Senate Finance uh, Chair, Senator Grassley says that any future deal with Europe would need to include agriculture, something that the EU has balked at. That'll be interesting to see, and that he is weighing in from that committee on on uh, that issue. Yes, I think it's very positive for agriculture that Senator uh, Senator Grassley is now chairman of Senate Finance uh, because he'd be in charge of tr- charge of trade and taxes, uh, also health care, and he sa- he said in in a talk with reporters this week that he's going to emphasize rural you know rural health care uh, as part of his uh, mandate as ch- uh, chairman um, and uh, but on that European uh, question that is going to be a contentious issue uh, because the Europeans say they don't want to include agriculture and that there was agreement not to include it but the Americans say they would would include it uh, Ted McKinney has told me personally that he doesn't expect agriculture kind of in the first round of agreement with the Europeans, but that there will be a second round, and it would be included in that. All right, and meanwhile, real quick, EPA says even with the shutdown, they plan to get uh, E15 sales going by this summer. I know the renewable fuels industry is uh, hoping that's the case. And so is, and so is Senator Grassley on, on, on that point. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that doesn't really have a schedule, uh, so we'll just have to see how it goes, but he wants the rule finished by June so that you can use E15 in the summertime. 
All right, Jerry, thanks a lot. And again, we'll we'll wait uh, with everyone else to see how long this government shutdown uh, continues. And uh, each day it creates more stories to, uh, in relation to it. So we'll keep a close watch on it and check back with you. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you. I'm on my way to the Farm Bureau Convention in, in New Orleans, so I'm going to be very interested in, in what the farmers there have to say about all of this. Hey, I'll be there, too, and uh, we'll plan on uh, getting together and have you on uh, face-to-face uh, with us while we're down there doing our live broadcast, okay? That sounds great. I'll see you there. Thanks, Jerry. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. That's right. A lot of us headed to uh, New Orleans for the American Farm Bureau Federation uh, meeting next week, and we'll be broadcasting from there both Monday and Tuesday. There'll be a lot of talk about trade, and our next guest will be at that meeting as well, Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. He joins us next on AOA. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show agnetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Let's talk trade. The trade talks uh, in Beijing have wrapped up. Uh, Some feel that uh, not much progress was made at all, but others are more optimistic, including uh, Ted McKinney, Undersecretary at USDA for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs, saying it's been a good one for us. And we've noted that uh, it seemed to be a good sign that both Ted McKinney and Ambassador Greg Dowd were there at the talks, part of the delegation representing agriculture. Let's talk about it now with Brian Keel, Executive Director for Farmers for Free Trade. Brian, good to talk with you again. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the China talks? Well, I think I think talk is clearly positive, and you're right. The fact that uh, McKinney and Dowd were both both in Beijing is a great sign. Uh, we've got to keep agriculture front and center at these talks. You know, I think one of our big worries has been that the trade war with China has already done immeasurable damage to U.S. agriculture. I mean, we've disrupted markets for this year, but we're going to see the ripple effects from this disruption for years to come. And I think in order for this to be considered a win for agriculture, we need to go way beyond where we were before. We can't end with a deal with China where we say, well, we got back what we had. We already had that. We've got to get something more. So, so we're really looking for a, a big win, if, if we're going to call it a win at all. Yeah, I agree, and I've been saying that, too. I think you have to really it, – and it's, it can be hard to quantify, but uh, at some point you got to say, how much have we lost since this started, and how long does it take to regain that just to break even, let alone start getting ahead again? That's that's right, and, I mean, you can, you can certainly quantify it for this year. I mean, you can look at how much – Pick your commodity. I mean, every commodity that's shipped into China, and it's one of our biggest trading partners, they've all been hammered. Um, the question is, will we rebound? I, I think it was good that China started buying some soybeans after after the uh, the president and uh, the president of China met, but um, but that's just you know a drop in the bucket compared to what's been lost. And what we worry is that China is really just buying time. They're buying enough U.S. soybeans to get to the Brazilian market. And uh, come spring, when they start importing soybeans from Brazil, you know, they've made it out of the gauntlet. So, so we're very nervous. We're talking with Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. Brian, I keep saying this, and I, I couch it this way. I, I don't want to sound pessimistic because I obviously realize how important China is as a market and how important uh, sales to that country are for our ag economy. So we really need it. But... We also have to make sure we don't fall into the trap of thinking that China solves all problems because uh, we know there are other issues that must be addressed. That's a big one, but it's not the only one. That's, that's absolutely correct. I mean, we need to diversify our markets. That's, that's one of the reasons why you know, the Trans-Pacific Partnership was such a good idea. It was a trading block of 12 countries, not including China. So, you know, the Pacific Rim, it was Vietnam, Japan, Australia, Mexico, Canada, the U.S., all trading together and harmonizing standards. Um, and, and that would have given the, the U.S. a leg and counter-pressure against China. Now, the U.S. pulled out of the TPP. The other 11 countries are moving forward. In fact, six of them just started moving forward uh, just last week. Um, we could still get back into that trading block and help open new markets for U.S. ag, and that's that's one thing we should do. Now, of course, there, yeah, or just get in with Japan would certainly be a help, and uh, there's optimism there, but uh, still a ways to go to get before we see something happen there. 
Right, and again, kudos to the administration for pushing on a bilateral with Japan. Uh, it's kind of the same thing as with the, the China discussion where we started. Okay, we had a deal with Japan as part of TPP, so a win in a bilateral with Japan is not going to be that we get everything we had under TPP because we already had that, and now we're losing years of not not having the same trading relationship while our while our competitors are trading. So. A win with Japan has to go well beyond the TPP standards, um, and and so a win has to be a big win to call it a win. Um, same thing with the UK. You know, kudos to the administration for pushing the UK to, um, or I'm sorry, the EU to start a, 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 a trade agreement with uh, the European Union. The EU is saying they don't want ACT to be on the table. Well, that's got to be a non-starter for the United States. We should not be doing a deal that doesn't increase U.S. ag exports. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier. Senator Grassley's come out and said the same thing, that the agriculture has to be a part of those deal, of any deal with the European Union, or or it's not going to go anywhere in in the Senate, in Congress. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. Meanwhile, it's kind of amazing. Uh, to, I guess so many other things are going on in the news, but we're not talking or hearing as much about the tariffs that are still in place and still hurting our uh, export sales. Well, that's, that's correct, and your, your listeners should remember that there's, there's a number of different tariffs to be aware of. I mean, we're, we're at this point in, in history, the, the largest tariff at any point in U.S. history. I mean, we're, we're beyond what happened during the Great Depression. Now, trade, of course, was at a much smaller volume, but, but we're putting tariffs on a lot of products, and other countries are putting tariffs on a lot of products, and that's dragging the entire economy. Um, tariffs are taxes. <clears throat> so what's happening is the federal government is putting taxes on inbound goods. Um, those, those are sales taxes basically put in place by the federal government, not passed by Congress. This is the, the White House deciding we're going to put a sales tax on products, <clears throat> and then other countries retaliating against our ag products. Um, so steel and aluminum tariffs still in place, even though we've got a, a, a deal with Mexico and Canada for USMCA or the new NAFTA. We still have steel and aluminum tariffs, and that means there's retaliation against pork, against cheese, against U.S. processed foods. But we need to get those tariffs lifted, and, and we need to get them lifted soon. Yeah, we need to talk about uh, USMCA. Uh, obviously, the big battle getting all the attention now is over the border funding for the border wall and uh, the government shutdown. But the looming battle in Congress, and there are going to be many this year, it looks like, but one of them is approval of that trade deal with Canada and Mexico. And I don't know, just the mood that uh, seems to be in Washington, D.C. these days, I I, I see that as being a, a pretty tough battle uh, to get done. And then you're going to have the president threatening to pull out of NAFTA. And uh, I mean, there's a lot on the line here as we look forward to that battle this year. That, that's correct. It's going to be a big battle, and I don't think anyone should take it for granted. Uh, Farmers for Free Trade, our organization, we're going to be putting a lot of weight, a lot of time and energy behind trying to get USMCA over the finish line and supporting the president's priority on that trade agreement. Uh, we'll be putting teams into key states where we know there are key votes. We'll be uh, running digital ads. We'll be, we'll be pulling out all the stops to try to help support the president on that one. But in order to get it across the finish line, you know, those 232 tariffs, the steel and aluminum tariffs, they've got to be pulled away. I don't see any scenario where USMCA becomes law and we still have a trade war with Mexico and Canada. We've got to get all this stuff resolved to get back to, again, to get back to baseline, you know, where we were before all this started. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, those two aren't separate. They're they're connected. The tariffs and the trade deal, uh, they're not going to uh, exist in vacuums here. They very much impact each other. Right. And I think there's a lot of members of Congress who are upset about the 232 tariffs, you know, the thought that we put the tariffs on steel and aluminum from Mexico and Canada on national security grounds. You know, the president said, well, this is a national security risk that we don't have a domestic sufficient domestic steel industry. Canada said, look, we've, we've sent soldiers into every combat the U.S. has ever been in on the side of the U.S. I mean, we're not a national security risk. So I think there's a lot of members of Congress who see that and say they think the president overreached. And I would guess as these trade deals go through Congress, you're going to see attempts to to both roll back the tariffs and potentially roll back presidential authority to, to put tariffs in place. So we'll be watching that closely. Meanwhile, you're going to be headed to New Orleans uh, here in a few days, like many of the rest of us uh, that will be down there for the American Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting. And um, what uh, will your message be there? You have some special activities planned at AFBF, don't you? You know, we do, and thanks for thanks for mentioning it. For, for folks who are going to be at, say, in New Orleans at AFBF, please come by our booth. Uh, we'll also be having a trade roundtable Sunday afternoon on the trade show floor, uh, so you can come and hear uh, from Farm Bureau presidents around the country talking about uh, trade events that we've done with them and, and what issues matter to them in trade. Uh, we'll also have a very great um, uh, campaign that we're kicking off where we'll have people texting <clears throat> to uh, engage in support of USMCA. We'll launch that campaign uh, on Twitter, on email, on text, uh, on Saturday at the convention. Um, in the meantime, if you're not going to be in New Orleans, you can go to FarmersForFreeTrade.com uh, to join Farmers for Free Trade and to sign up for alerts. So as we're doing events at New Orleans, as an example, you can get an email telling you what's happening and how you can plug in and support the effort. Very good. Ryan, Brian, uh, always, I said Ryan because Brian Finley with ASA is coming up next. Brian, always good to talk with you, and I look forward to seeing you in New Orleans, okay? Well, thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate it, and say hi to Ryan for me. All right. Take care, Brian. Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. And, again, they'll be holding a, um, a trade roundtable discussion at the American Farm Bureau Federation meeting in New Orleans this weekend and have a booth there at the trade show. Well, we're talking a lot about trade with China, and a lot of that has to do with soybeans. We're going to talk with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. That's coming up next. And his outlook for U.S. soybean growers for 2019. All that coming up. Stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What, did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. 
Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Stocks around the world extending their resurgence on Wednesday with investors optimistic as trade talks between the U.S. and China wrap up. Three days of U.S.-Chinese talks aimed at ending a costly tariff battle wrapping up on Wednesday. Oil prices rising on Wednesday. Grain futures trending higher after the conclusion of the talks with signs that the negotiations ended on an upbeat Note, March soybeans closed lower yesterday amid a minor bout of profit-taking on Tuesday. On this Wednesday, we're trending 5 to 6 cents higher. An hour into the day, the March contract up 6 at 9.24 and a half. It's going to take a sustained rally and close above the 200-day moving average, though, to give the bulls the chance to open the door back towards a run of 9.41, the high of December 12th, that 200-day moving average seen at 9.30 and a quarter. In corn, March bulls faltering yesterday, seeing resistance right around the 387 to 390 area. The retreat yesterday suggesting some of the corn bulls could be getting cold feet near current values. March corn hovering at 383 and a half, up three and a half cents. For the wheats, we're trending five and a fraction higher in Chicago and Kansas City on this Wednesday. Minneapolis spring wheat trending five and a fraction higher. For livestock at the Merck, minus signs in cattle futures pull back from the recent rally. Live cattle 35 to 45 cents lower. Feeder cattle 50 to 72 cents lower. Waiting on cash cattle activity in the central and southern plains. Lean hog futures trending 65 to a dollar ten higher. The Dow up 147 points. February crude oil futures in New York up a dollar 68. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701. Florida licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So we go from Brian Keel with the uh, Farmers for Free Trade to Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, talking about trade. How are you, Ryan? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you, Mike? Very good. Brian Keel said to tell you hello. All right. Yeah, he's a great guy, and they have a solid coalition that they've put together on trade issues. So that's great. Glad you had him on. Yeah, we were talking about uh, the China talks, and um, while it, they seem positive, nothing firm or no real commitments out of there yet, but at least they're still talking. How do you view uh, uh, the talks this week and what looks to be another round coming up soon in Washington, D.C.? 
I think you just said it. They're talking, and that's better than where we were a month and a half ago when there wasn't much going on at all. And while it's incremental, it's still conversations that are taking place. And I think, uh, you know, there were a couple of people this week that said, hey, why didn't we have higher-level individuals there? I think Undersecretary Ted McKinney and Ambassador uh, Greg Dowd, from an agricultural standpoint, is exactly who we needed in China having conversations because they understand the the issues that are that are out there and they're able to address those so i think this is exactly where we want to be having the right negotiators in the room hitting on some of the issues so um that it's all the signals are good that doesn't mean that we have a solution it doesn't mean that things are taken care of but it means we're taking the right steps and so that that's the positive news that i think we need to focus on yeah, I would have been concerned if one or both of them were not included in those talks. Uh, that that would have been a concern for agriculture. But to have them both there, I think, uh, sh- uh, at least sent the signal that agriculture would be a big part of the discussions. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they were there late last spring, early summer, and were part of the negotiations at the time. And the, I think those negotiations were going well late late last spring early summer but then it kind of digressed it at, at a higher level it was no we're going to move forward with the the tariffs at the u.s level and china said well if you do that we're going to retaliate and so it was almost like we had the six month pause and actually being able to get back to i don't want to say the nitty-gritty but some of the detailed conversations and negotiations that really need to happen because what we don't want and, and mike this is the big concern we don't want to see some resolution that really doesn't result in reform. If we're this far in, there's a number of issues for agriculture that need to be addressed. And, and I think the whole time we've gone through this, this is painful, this isn't fun, we need to get rid of the tariffs. No, I, I, There aren't very many farmers that will disagree that it's been painful. But I think that we also would agree with the Section 301 report that the forced technology transfer and the intellectual property rights issues need to be addressed. And so if we can figure out that, um, it's going to be a really big step forward for agriculture and for a lot of U.S. companies. Yeah, we talked about that in the last segment with Brian Keel. Uh, it, right now, getting back to where we were would seem to be certainly an improvement. But if, if we went through all this only to wind up back where we were, what did we gain through all this? Yeah, we need, we need to see some uh, significant uh, right. uh, accomplishments, uh, some gains through this. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yep, and that's that's something that farmers have kind of said the whole time, and and um, it's been painful. This is we just finished, and I'm sure you were just talking about this, but we had the six month anniversary of the tariffs on Sunday this past Sunday. And that's not a fun anniversary to celebrate because if we look at, and and we just had the market update, but if we look at markets, they were a lot better a year ago than they are right now. And that's really tough when it's a trade war that's impacting those markets. We're talking with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. So, Ryan, uh, when I talk to to market guys, I, I bring this up. I say, I want your outlook for 2019 keeping in mind that no one knows what's going to happen with China. So it's, that really makes it even more difficult to do an outlook. I mean, it's like you do one if we get a trade deal with China, even though we don't know what that might entail, and then you do another one uh, if we don't get a trade deal with China. Uh, how, how, are, how do you view 2019 uh, for soybean growers? I was, I was at a meeting this week, and there were some, 
some individuals from the farm credit system that were there, and I thought they made a really good point, and they said, communicate. Go talk to your lender. Don't wait. Go talk to your lender now. Talk to all of the stakeholders in the operation. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your business partners, whether that's dad or grandpa or brother or sister. Talk to, talk to everybody involved. Go talk to seed dealers. Talk to your marketing analysts. Communicate with everybody, which kind of I'm, I'm, everybody should be doing that anyways. But in this environment, I think you just have to have all of those conversations because this isn't going to be a broad swath where we can say, well, this is where the, the prices are going to go and this is what basis is going to be and these, these are what your inputs are, are going to be. So this is what you're going to be comfortable with. I really think it's important that everybody communicates with all the stakeholders that are going to be impacted by this year of uncertainty. And, and I, you know, nobody really does know at this point. Are we going to have this deal with China solved? If we solve it, does that change the, the ability for us to ship soybeans to China, or will Chinese importers continue to buy from Brazil? Is Brazil going to be impacted by bad weather this year? Um, you know, they're, they're getting closer starting harvest, but are they going to have a, a tail of a drought here that impacts them? There are so many variables um, that we just don't know. So I think the, the, the word would be communicate with all of your stakeholders. Yeah, a lot of unknown, and which makes it will make it even more interesting to see how our acres play out this year. I mean, it's been expected soybean acres would be down, but now it's kind of thinking the thinking seems to be maybe not down as much as we uh, had originally or some had originally anticipated. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of reports that were looking at eighty-two to eighty-five million acres, and you know, are we going to be above eighty-five now? I I think that those are just um, that adds to that uncertainty, and a lot of it will just depend on farmers and, and what their rotation is and what the local pricing is and, and, and a number of other variables. But hopefully we see a strong, um, a strong plant from farmers that later this spring. Yeah, kind of waiting to see what the, the market signals here, and I think some are waiting. I've got a feeling yeah. there are a lot of plans out there to stick with, uh, with those, uh, you know, traditional plans and ratios and, uh, you know, maybe tweak them a little bit, but uh, we'll see what happens. Meanwhile, Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, as we look at 2019, trade obviously right up there at the top of the, uh, the list, but when you look at your priorities for ASA, other than trade, what else do you uh, have on your list of things to do this year? Well, it was great to get the Farm Bill completed last year, and now I think we just need to make sure that gets implemented. So any regulatory challenges that exist or the process of taking a 500-plus page piece of legislation and getting that through implementation is always a little tricky. So just making sure implementation happens, we'll have our eye on that. Biodiesel, there's no question that biodiesel is going to be important in 2019, and I think that kind of falls into a bunch of different areas. But as we see really strong crush numbers of soybeans in the United States, having a place for all of the oil to go as a co-product, not as a secondary byproduct, but as a co-product to biodiesel is would be fantastic. And, and I think we need to send a strong message from an RFS standpoint and, and show that there is the, the volumetric requirements that are there. We need to have a tax incentive structure that's in place. And it was unfortunate we weren't able to see the seven-year 
$1 blender's credit that phases out over, over the next seven years, it, it was unfortunate we weren't able to see that pass at the end of 2018, but hopefully we can move that forward early in 19. And then there's always this issue with, with Argentina and, and biodiesel coming from Argentina being brought into the U.S. And the last thing that I think we should be doing, and I think a lot of farmers would agree, would be bringing in um, biodiesel from another country to uh, meet our, our requirements here in the country. We have the, we have the capacity and the ability to do it. Let's do it here. And, um, and I think that over the last couple of years, it's been clear that Argentina has subsidized that pretty dramatically, which is why the U.S. has um, countervailing duty and anti-dumping duties that are placed on that. So we need to hold firm in that and not let that um, be removed. So biodiesel, that, there's a lot within that, but biodiesel is important. And then infrastructure. What is infrastructure going to look like? And, and are there opportunities to improve um, connectivity, whether that's rural broadband or uh, locks and dams on the inland waterway system or roads and bridges? Or is it going to be all of that? We don't know what that package looks like, but if there's anything that we can do to improve our infrastructure, it's important we pass that. So farm bill, trade, infrastructure, biodiesel, those are going to be some of our top priorities in 2019. The waters of the U.S. Absolutely, I mean we, <laughs> that one's that one's perpetually there. I think regulation in general. So mm-hmm. as we if we look at um, biotech traits, as we look at crop protection tools, if we look at waters of the U.S., just everything that allows a farmer to farm, we need to make sure that those are in the right place from a regulatory standpoint, and that's. That's always ongoing, and, and that one, it, it's always, some of that stuff gets in the weeds really quickly, and you have detailed conversations, but that's certainly something the American Soybean Association will be working on in, throughout 2019. Sounds like it'll be a busy year. Yes, it will. We're excited about it, though. And hopefully we'll see some uh, real positive uh, developments uh, for agriculture and the ag economy in this year ahead. Ryan, as always, thanks for your perspective. We'll see you soon, okay? All right, sounds good. Take care. Have a good one. Thank you. Brian Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Yeah, a lot of questions uh, on soybeans alone. What happens with China? What happens with acres? Uh, do farmers stick with their crop rotations? Or are they going to really cut back on soybean acres as some had thought they would? Uh, a lot of a lot of questions ahead uh, for agriculture in general, soybean growers in particular. Well, some questions uh, around some uh, state laws when it comes to the use of confinement in animal agriculture. The Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, has declined to consider challenges to a a couple of states' laws, California and Massachusetts. What does that mean for animal agriculture moving forward? We'll talk with attorney Gary Bays about that next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. 
So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. All right, guys, we're ready for our four season sunroom, and Daddy's gonna get a rec room with refreshments. Oh no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving a public service announcement brought to you by aarp and the ad council i can't believe he found them he seems sorry we very clearly told him not to look up there i'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it right what did he balance on that big chair or... yeah i mean i guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year i really thought we had hidden them well if they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. 
Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to consider challenges to a couple of state laws that restrict the use of confinement in animal agriculture. The court was asked to hear arguments that the California and Massachusetts laws improperly interfered with interstate commerce. Both laws sought to end certain animal confinement practices, such as using cages and egg production, but also sought to restrict the sale of products using the practices no matter their point of origin. So that led to other states uh, filing suit because it affects uh, products, their products being sold in these states. Uh, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt saying he was disappointed that the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear this case and pledged to continue to fight for Missouri consumers and farmers and protect them from burdensome regulations. Missouri was the lead plaintiff in the California case. Let's bring in now Gary Bays, attorney with OFW Law. Gary, as always, thank you for joining us. Uh, what do you see as the impact of the Supreme Court's decision to not consider these challenges? What implications could come from this? Well, I think it's going to be disastrous for agriculture in the long run, and the environmental groups behind uh, this issue will turn their attention to other issues, and you take just in the grain area, I think they will eventually say we don't want uh, GMO uh, grains, uh, corn and soybeans or cotton or what have you. Uh, so the consequences are enormous here. Uh, there were two cases, uh, Mike, as you pointed uh, out earlier. One was the California case where Missouri had brought the action and it actually tried to go forward in U.S. District Court. Missouri, as Attorney General, uh, starting with Mr. Hawley, who's now the U.S. Senator, uh, has been very good in trying to protect agriculture. Uh, the second case that was turned down on Monday was Indiana versus Massachusetts. And that is even more dangerous, uh, I think, than the California one because it says, as you alluded to, uh, you can't sell product, uh, protein product, into Massachusetts after 2022 if it comes from animals that were uh, raised in cruel circumstances. Cruel is defined as a CAFO. Now think about that. Think about hog production there in the Midwest. Think about cattle production west of us, uh, veal production. Uh, what we have here in HSUS and PETA is an effort to try to get rid of meat in our society or that kind of protein. So the consequences uh, are enormous. Before your phone call, I was on with a couple of folks here in Washington talking about what the next move. The next move is, and it has to be not the states doing this, but individual producers and the states can intervene. But there has to be a U.S. District Court case file, say, in Illinois, uh, and certainly Indiana and maybe Iowa and Kansas, uh, challenging uh, uh, this issue, and then it's going to go up to an appeals court and then finally get back to the Supreme Court. Uh, that's the legal avenue left for agriculture at this point. Expensive, time-consuming, uh, and difficult. 
that's what yeah. we're trying to avoid in both states by their filing these original actions in the Supreme Court. Each state yeah, that was California or Massachusetts. That was my next question. Where can you go? Where can agriculture go next if the U.S. Supreme Court declines to hear the argument? So, and to go the route that you just explained, that will take someone's going to have to be committed to it to, with the time and money that it will take uh, to go that route. I was talking to a producer last night, and he said, I don't want to put my neck out. This is one of the largest producers in uh, their commodity field. He said, I don't want my truck's tires shot out. I don't want my trucks burned up. And that has happened, of course, to the Harris Feedlot people out in Sacramento by the animal rights folks. What we have here is uh, just an antipathy or anger towards uh, what they see large corporate agriculture. Well, all farms now, family farms, are incorporated. But uh, that's not the narrative that's being played here on the East Coast or on the West Coast. So we're facing some real tough situations uh, for the next three or five years on the legal side, uh, not to speak to the trade side and, and, this, and the uh, pricing side of our business, Mike. A lot of this argument comes down to states' rights, I guess, and these states saying we have a right to decide how we do things here. but. Uh, Obviously, what they're saying affects other states, their other states' ability to sell into those states. So uh, there's a lot more to it than it would appear just on the surface. It is. In fact, states, and under our Constitution, and we have to go back to 1787, not many of us ever want to do that, but the reason for the Constitutional Convention, in addition to the fact that we were not getting much funding for the war effort against the British, but the state where I live in now, uh, not where my farms are because they're around Jacksonville there, but uh, Virginia was terrible in raising barriers to other agricultural products coming into the Commonwealth of Virginia. So one of the main issues in the 1787 to 1789 Constitutional Convention was, quote, the Commerce Clause. And basically what we created then, or what the Europeans have been trying to create with the European Union, is a free trade zone. And we have had that, and, and, and the Supreme Court has been very good at protecting that. Now remember, we have nine people on the Supreme Court, all of whom Harvard and Yale, appellate court judges for the most part, who can't even spell agriculture. The criticism I would have of both the Missouri briefs and the Indiana briefs is they didn't explain to the court how important this was to agriculture and what it meant. That's got to change, Mike, in the future. We've got to explain to these folks uh, how important it is. But the hope here is, uh, and of course no one wants to do this because it involves lawyers and going to court, and the lawyers love to do that, but you've got to go to U.S. District Court, seek an injunction to shut down and stop California and Massachusetts from doing what they're doing. California today, today, is sending inspectors into various states to make sure those states are growing their hens and producing eggs in accordance with California's cage size standards. Think about that. California is coming into Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Missouri, and saying, we're going to tell you how to produce. And if you don't, you can't sell your product into our state. Think about the consequences of that and how far you can take that. That is unbelievable, and the Supreme Court sanctioned that on Monday. Yeah, there's a lot on the line here, and we'll see if anyone is willing to step up and uh, pursue this further as far as legal challenges are concerned. And uh, as always, Gary, thanks for your perspective and uh, kind of giving us a look into what is at stake here and where this could lead. Thank you. Good to talk with you again. Good to talk to you. Bye. 
Gary Bays, attorney with OFW Law. So the Supreme Court declining to consider those challenges to the uh, California-Massachusetts uh, laws restricting the use of confinement in animal agriculture uh, could have uh, big implications moving forward. And as, as Gary said, once again, we're talking about we need to educate people about agriculture, including judges, even Supreme Court justices. All right. Hope you'll join us tomorrow what does here on, on AOA. Do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Do you need a call? been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way.